Oh, man. <laughs> We're killing it. We are back again. That's right. Um, so, you know me. I'm, I'm ready today. Today is going to be a good conversation. Mm. Today is going to be a conversation that it really, I want you to think. I want you to bring different thoughts. Wait, 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 Anthony. Oh. But, but before we do that, okay. before we get into this conversation, you know we got to set the tone, right? Okay. Welcome to Top Shelf, where we seek truth, opinion, perspective, and we seek solutions. Let, let's let's bow our heads and okay. get into this prayer. Love it, love let's it. Do it, dear Heavenly Father, God. We just want to say thank you so much for allowing us all to come together. I pray that as we bring up this topic and address mental health, Lord God, uh, that you use our minds. Use the research that we've done. Just use our mouths to project what you have set before us, Lord God, to approach the topic, Lord God, and to do it with elegance and class, Lord God, so that no one would be offended, Lord God. But we thank you for everybody that is listening, and we appreciate that we have this platform, and we pray that you just continue to allow us to do this over and over again. I thank you for Anthony. Jeff and God just allow me to be here in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. 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 And amen. Let's Sorry, go. God. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I feel good now. You know what I'm saying? Go. It's the Praise God in me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How y'all week been, man? How y'all week been? Man? Oh, man. Uh, the last time we had a conversation. Yeah, man. I could say it's really been a relaxing. And my wife just bought a juicer, so we juicing now. Ooh, we healthy. You healthy, healthy. You know what I'm saying? Healthy mm. skin, glowing, shining. You know, we on one. Like, my wife uh, just gave me a facial pause. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Whoa. 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 Zing. <laughs> Yo, fellas, have you ever had a facial? Pause. 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 Now, the people in the back, let me just have a disclaimer. A facial meaning like for your face, moisturize, and things of that nature. Yeah. That's what I mean, a facial. Right. Okay, continue. I personally have never received a facial before. Pause. Um, For me, it's something that, I don't know, I, I just can't, I, I think I'm still stuck in that old generation where growing up that Man, they didn't really get facials like that. We didn't okay. do pedicures, manicures, and all that stuff. Okay. You know, we'll, you know, we'll drop, you know, wifey off, let mm -hmm. her get, you know, her facial done, Absolutely. her nails done, her feet done, stuff like that. Okay. Like, come back, pick her up, and keep it moving. Uh -huh. So for me, it's like, it's hard for me to, I don't knock it. You don't knock it? I don't knock it. Okay. But I haven't got to that point where I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should get a facial done. Okay. Yeah. So, so what about if me, you, Fred, get our facial done? How you feel about that? I'll get back to you on that. Okay. <laughs> Fred, have you ever got a facial? Let me think about it. No. <laughs> I have not gotten a facial done. Like, um, I not that I say I I, I wouldn't. Uh -huh. I, I definitely would. I've heard it's very relaxing. I've gotten massages, definitely. Okay. And I've uh, you know, gone to the barber, got my hair cut, and they've like definitely did this that that wrapped a hot towel around your Ooh. face with the massager joint. Ooh. If that's official, then yeah, then okay. I've done that at okay. the barber. But yeah, I've gotten that done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so you saying that relaxing, because you know? it's not normal mm -hmm. and because of it not being like a thought that well, does men get facial? Mm. Why is that? Like, why don't men get facial? Why men don't get facial? Because I think like it's not considered something that's masculine. Mm. So, oh. so, so, so for some men, and this is gonna. I don't want to say within this generation because this okay. generation is different. Okay. Right? Masculinity is, is defined differently. Okay. Like, you know, we're, we're tapping into more of our feminine side, you know, okay. being more vulnerable. Okay. But back then, it was like, you know, it was taboo for men to get When you say back then, when is that? So I'm talking about back, like, even back as 10, 15, 20 years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't a known thing for men to get facial. Right. I'm sure there were some men that were doing it. Right. But it wasn't something that was common. Mm. So is self-care common? Self-care is definitely common. So is that 10 years now or just right now? But so you're talking about self-care as far as what? Getting a haircut? Yeah, self-care is yeah. a right. facial. Eating right? Yeah. yeah. So what is self-care to you? See, so for me, self-care is, is taking care of your body. 
Okay. Let's get Take to that. care of your, 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 your mental state of mind. Mm, you know, your mental. Your mental state of mind, because that drives everything. Okay. You know, if, if mentally you're not, you're off mentally, or if you got too many things that's going, basically, let's, let's, let's keep it a buck. If you're dealing with anxiety and dealing with depression, mm. your mental state of mind is being affected. So, which means that it's going to be hard for you to focus. Mm. It's going to be hard for you True. to be able to go your normal day to day. Right. Whether if you're eating, you can be eating healthy all you want. Uh-huh. But your mental state of mind, to me, it drives the direction that you're going for that day and going forward. Mm. What's your thought or when did you know about mental or self-care? Self-care? Uh, I wouldn't, I would say I found out about it when I got up here to New York City. And uh, two, what that was, age was that? That was 23. So 23, yeah. you did life. Yeah. And no one told, taught you yeah. or told you yeah. about self-care. Nobody. I, I mm-hmm. think it was because uh, the culture that I grew up in, which is like Southern Midwestern culture. Okay. We didn't, be, we don't believe in the, not even that we don't believe in self-care, but the things that you enjoy. <clears throat> Excuse me. We wouldn't label it as self-care. Okay. We're just like, oh, these are the errands I have to run, things that I have to do. Okay. You know, I never put a label on it before. Like to me, like my self-care is like watching battle rap, like chilling, drinking coffee. It used to be going to the movies before COVID. You know, uh, yeah. my self-care was my self-care is just like going to the park, you know, doing a couple laps, running, you know, uh jumping on my bike, uh, and riding around the block. You know, having a conversation with you guys. That's like mm. part of my self-care. Okay. Going to the barber. These are these are my self-care things. But in terms of therapy and in terms of Ooh. just mental health, I didn't I wasn't cognizant of that. It, wow. I wasn't, I, I, because it was okay, childhood. I grew up knowing like there were certain things that um you were supposed to just take in and internalize, mm. you know, stay in a child's place was one of those things like, mm-hmm. hey, you can't like we, we, we didn't talk about therapy. We didn't have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Like you're just supposed to get over it. That, that was like get you know, over it and pray about it. Yeah. Pray mm-hmm. about it. Pray it away. That's how you do it. You manage your emotions. You, as a man, mm-hmm. as a black man, you manage your emotions. You manage how you do things and you get through it. You're supposed to get through it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't set aside time to do self-care. It wasn't set aside time to go to therapy mm-hmm. and meet with somebody to talk about how you're not all right. It was, it was just, hey, internalize it, figure it out. I, that, that was it. So I didn't know it was possible. So Fred and Jeff, I want you to think about this question. Okay. Did you do life by yourself when you was figuring it out? I want to say, I, and do I you can't, still do? I really, honestly, the way I want to answer that is, at first I wanted to say no, but then I thought about the people in my corner. Because I thought about uh, when I first got here, how I established a church home and how mm-hmm. I established friends and how I had a relationship with God when I got here mm-hmm. to New York City. The, uh, the, a, a Midwestern boy from a small town to a big city is a huge adjustment. Mm-hmm. Like I had to re-navigate the way that I live because I'm, I'm wow. so used to a slower pace. Okay. And now I got to jump into a faster pace. And people are not going to always be as cordial and as nice. Wow. So mm. that's me adjusting. I had to assimilate to New York culture and, and, and everything, but still be myself. So... I would say I was not, I was not alone within that. I learned how to adjust Mm. to answer your question. Wow. It was What about you? So for me, I I agree with Fred, similar story. So with me, you know, I grew up here in New York, um, but then we ended up moving to Florida. Okay. Me, my parents and my siblings. What age? 11. Okay. And then I moved back when I was 15, went to high school up here. Moved back to Florida. I basically did like a lot of back and forth, uh-huh. right? I permanently moved out of my parents' house by the age of 20, 21, 21. And then I moved back up here. So at that point, I was kind of going through, though, like Fred, I had people in my corner. You know, I had my family. I had friends. Always. I always had a community. I've been blessed to always have a community. But I had to kind of like navigate through life in, in some instances, like by myself. Wow. Figure out things. You know, Why? figure out 
Um, it just worked. It just ended up being that way. Okay. It just ended up being that way. Um, I think part of it was like I wanted to be independent. Part of it was just I wanted to live a life, my life a certain way. Okay. So I had my community. I had people I could lean on. I had people I can trust. I had people where if something happened, I could actually go to. Uh-huh. I've never felt that I didn't have a community. But at the same time, I had to also learn how to navigate through life on my own. You know, because I was the first one. I'm the middle child. Okay. But I'm the first one to actually move out. You know, I'm the oldest male. I have an older sister. I have a younger brother. Growing up, I was always told by my, by my pops that because I'm the oldest male, that if anything happens, you're responsible for the house. Wow. So I was never really treated, honestly, as a middle child. I was actually treated as the oldest child. Me and my sister, we're not that much in age difference. She's actually only 11 months older than me, right? So even with that very small age gap, it wasn't like a big difference as far as like, okay, you know, she's big sis. She was like kind of like big little sis because she's shorter than me, but she's older than me. But the way I was treated within my household that I was the oldest. So growing up, anything that occurred, anything that happened, I was responsible for it. You know what I'm saying? Or if something happened, I got blamed for it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you're supposed to be the man of the house. Though my mom and dad is dead. How old are you? This is like from as young as I can remember. My dad was having this conversation with me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that also led to tension between me and my pops. Mm-hmm. And that also drive me to like, okay, you know what? Once I get to the point in my life where I can move out, I'm moving out. Mm. That's what I did. That's good. Did your pop ever tell you, I love you? You remember? Not that I can remember. I grew up in a Haitian household, right? So anybody that's Haitian could relate to this. You know, when you grow up in a Haitian household, it's it's a whole different environment, right? Haitian parents, they don't really, they their mindset is that as long as I provide a roof over your head, food on the table, that's all that's needed. Mm. So my growing up, like my dad never gave me that. Pat in the back, like, I'm proud of you, son. I, I didn't hear that. You know, my dad never really came to me and said that, I love you. I didn't hear that as yeah. far as that I can remember. So that put a strain in me, in me and my dad's relationship. Jeff, we, can I ask you, I don't, sorry to interrupt you, bro, but yeah. how do you feel like that affected you in, in growing up? Like, did that feel like that affected how you guys communicate to each other now? No, because me and my dad, we have a different relationship now. Mm-hmm. Like, me and my dad, like, we're, we have the best relationship. Like, it's funny because the moment I moved out, our relationship became stronger. But when I was living with my dad, we clashed. Wow. Like, when I was 15, me and my dad actually got into a, a physical altercation. For real? Yeah, we got, actually got into a physical altercation. Same here. Wow. So, wow, 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 it, wow. And, and it was out of the blue. You know, but at that point, it was already, like, there was already tension between me and my dad. Because I, I had resentment towards my dad. Because we didn't, you know, there, there wasn't no like, hey, son, I'm proud of you. Or, hey, son, that I love you. Like, I didn't really feel that my dad really loved me. I want you to stop there. Fred, how do you feel about that? You mean, uh, you with, with it, Jeff? Yeah, no, not just Jeff, but <laughs> like, my dad not telling me, I love you, son. It, it's a hard pill to swallow. Like, that is a really, really hard pill to swallow. Especially knowing that, like, this is somebody you look up to and this is the first male figure in your life. It's a very, very hard. For me, my, that was non-existent for me. So I didn't have a father that was around. Like, my father left when I was three. So um, even hearing that for Jeff, like, that hurts. for me. Like, I hurt because, because that happened to you and you never got to experience in that. And for me, I, I was the type of boy that was like I longed to hear another man say he loved me for real because I was searching for my father you know and that and that that was a hard thing because it's like you know I I'm, I'm looking for role models in everybody I look for it in my older brother I look for it in my teachers wow like I remember one time and this is hard because it's like it's bringing back the memories like um in high school, one of my theater teachers who was grooming me and 
he was leading me and he's helping me to be the actor that I am now. Like he was like saying, like teaching me how to tie a tie. Okay. And uh, and I I almost called him dad. Wow. I think I slipped up and called him dad. And he was like, "Hey, no, it's okay." And I start crying because I'm like, wow. uh, like I'm at this point. Um, that's what I'm longing for, and that's what I see in you because you're taking out time to spend time with me, and I hadn't been shown that up until this time. And this is me in tenth oh. grade. I'm like sixteen or fifteen at the time, so it was a it was a hard time for me. So, it, like, neglect from, um, like, anytime I sh got shown neglect from guys who were older than me, I'm just like, man, forget you. I'm isolating myself. It's so funny because mm -hmm. we come from different spaces, different worlds, different life. Mm -hmm. But we share the same example of Baldur's mm -hmm. because with me it was just a back and forth arguments um I can remember him saying um two kings can't live in the same house mm. two men can't live in the same house um and I never heard son I love you wow I never heard son here's the right way to do it or son how do you feel today? You know wow. what it is? I think, I, I think uh, when I think about my dad, which is similar, mm. I think because with my dad growing up, he didn't hear that. Mm. So because he didn't hear that from his parents, the, remember the assumption is that I provide a roof over your head, okay. food on the table, uh -huh. I did my job. Absolutely. So I don't have to necessarily, necessarily tell you that I love you. It should already be no. Okay, Jeff, I got to say, this is, this is a burning question. Do you feel like y'all, this to you and Anthony, do you feel like your, your fathers were good examples for y'all? Yes. Yes. When I, back then I would have said no. Mm -hmm. Look at it now. Yes. Because one thing my dad did do is that he did whatever he had to do to make sure that you were good. Right. Was he the most affectionate? No. Okay. Did he come across as saying, like, like I said, I love you, I'm proud of you, son. And it wasn't just me. You know, right. it was my sister, it was my brother. You know, that's just something that's just known within the Haitian community, right, mm. as parents. But my dad, I see my dad work two, three jobs to make sure that the mortgage was paid. Right. To make sure that, the, you know, food was on the table. Like, mm -hmm. he sacrificed. Right. Because my dad could have just said, you know what, I don't want to do this and, and just leave. Dipped off, yeah. But he didn't do that. He actually stayed, even when... My mom and dad, when their parents was, I mean, parents, when their marriage was rocky and it was at its breaking point because they separated twice. Mm. My dad, my dad was actually the one who fought to, you know, to keep the marriage intact and bring my mom back. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, in that hindsight, yes. Okay. You know, there's things that I wish my dad would have done differently, but I've seen my dad grow. I've seen my dad become more, I don't want to say the word sensitive, but like, you know what? I do love my kids because now me and my dad, he'll, he'll call me. You know, my dad, you know, they live in Florida. He'll reach out to me. Hey, how's it going? Make sure you're good. We'll have long conversations. He'll tell me, we miss you. We love you. Like, he mm. generally shows concern. So he Back got then, there. He, do that. He, he, he got, got there. there. He got yeah, he to got that there. point. And, and Anthony? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because when I'm hearing my brother Jeff talk, mm. He doesn't talk from an affection. Uh -huh. He talks from a provider perspective. Mm -hmm. And that is what's, I, I, I just think from a generational, mm -hmm. who's training us right. to be men right. emotionally? Yeah. Who's good. training us mm -hmm. to be providers and still be emotional? at the same perspective mm -hmm. and who's then when we are emotional is the environment telling us yo man up mm. man, that's deep man that's very deep we're doing because we're, we're talking about the black community as a whole we deal with and struggle with 
clinical depression, <sighs> anxiety, bipolar disorder, dementia, yes. ADHD, ADD, uh, schizophrenia, excuse me, OCD, autism, PTSD, and mania. These, these are different levels of mental health, mental illness, illness, illness. right? Illness. And then we're a lot of it goes undiagnosed Correct. because mm. what we're doing is. Uh, there's a lot of suppression in the black community. We deal mm. with so much, like uh, uh, as a complete whole. We we were born with a disadvantage, you know, just because we we are, you know, our skin color, you know, uh, we didn't choose this. It chose us, mm. you know. I want to ask you a question though, Aunt. Um, and you were you were talking about uh, within the black community, who's who's teaching us to be emotionally sound, right? Um, I think. We had to grow up, and if I, this is just my opinion, we had to grow up and figure this out. Um, because I know for me, now that as I'm getting older, Jeff, like I have a relationship with my father now, you know, uh, as, it, as it goes forward. And in this moment, in this moment, while we're talking, while we're talking, I have a relationship with him now. And the more I uh, dig deeper in our relationship, I, I realized that. And, and I, I forgive him and that it wasn't completely his fault that he, yes, he made the choice to leave, mm -hmm. but he didn't have the right tools because he wasn't emotionally sound. He mm -hmm. wasn't emotionally stable. He had a whole lot of things and desires and all these things in his heart. He wasn't ready to be and ready to step up to the plate and be what he thought he could be. For mm -hmm. my mother, for wow. me, for my brothers and sisters, he he couldn't be that. He was unavailable. So mm -hmm. he did what my grandfather didn't do. He he left. You know, him and his father didn't have a good relationship, mm -hmm. and I see that. That's why he continued it with me. So generational curse, absolutely a so, cycle. Mm -hmm. It's so a cycle. Are you saying that you are going to be the advocate? <laughs> yeah. To break that gener generational cycle? Oh, I already have. I was the first in my family to go to college, first in my family to get married, Amen. and I will be the first one in my family that my child will bear my last name. Correct. And also I'll, within marriage, within terms of marriage, and I will be there for every minute of every hour of my son or daughter's life. And I'm going to dedicate to make them better than I ever was. You know, because emotionally. What if you don't get there? If I don't, if I don't get what there. What if your daughter or son, hypothetically speaking, mm -hmm. say the same thing that we're saying right. at 32, 28, mm -hmm. 40, my daddy wasn't there. My dad wasn't there. And even mm. though I even was. Even though you was, were, were mm -hmm. there. Because it can be mm -hmm. our fathers didn't know how to be there, mm -hmm. but they were there in their own way. That could, that could so, be instance too. And because we're not mm -hmm. having these dialogues, mm -hmm. I don't think I could have a dialogue with my son mm -hmm. if I'm working and by the time I get home, you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, yes, we want that love, but what then? Mm. I think I said it's in one of my podcasts. Uh, one of the podcasts is my biggest fear is I get to a point and I don't figure it out. Mm -hmm. My mental health is screwed up. Mm. I don't know where I'm going. And I'm just doing life, but I'm not living. When do you go to therapy? Who tells you, say, hey, it, it, it's time? Mm -hmm. Because you're struggling mm. because the, the prayer is not working. Mm -hmm. And, and the church is telling you to pray, mm. but then this is not working. Yeah. And yes, to the people in the back, prayer, we need prayer. We need God. We, we definitely need that. Mm. But I also yeah. want to put in another resource mm. for therapy. Right. When do you know as a man, 
because I'm talking to a yeah. I'm talking to a man that's listening right. that's mm-hmm. driving right now mm-hmm. six o'clock in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. He's doing Uber to provide for his family, and his he can't see his daughter do his fr- her first walk, but he and his his daughter is on the other side of town. Right. But at the end of the day, he's providing. He's doing what he needs to do. When do you know? It's time. I think that the moment you realize that it's out of your control, you realize that mentally that you're not getting sleep, can't focus, can't sit still. Mm. You know, you're having dark thoughts. You know, you're not looking forward to the next day. You're praying because... Prayer is everything. Prayer is the most powerful tool that we have. But if we're not having faith when we're praying, Mm. then what are we praying for? Right. You know what I'm saying? We have to believe in what we're praying. For me, for somebody who's actually gone through therapy, the moment I realized I needed therapy was, I remember one morning, I didn't want to get up. I had so much pain in my heart, right? I had so much... um, I just, you know, there's no suicide thoughts, but I was just like, you know what? I, I don't want to go out. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to face the world. I, I literally want to just stay in bed and close the blinds and I want to sleep it through. I, I remember literally saying like, God, mm. take the pain away. I, I want to go back to sleep because I feel like when right. I'm sleeping, I'm not feeling anything. Uh, yeah. So- and this went on for like two, three days. Did you call anybody when you was going through that? No, nah, I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to talk to nobody. Because during this time, I, I was going through so much. Right. Within like a three, four year span, I was going through so much. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I lost my best friend, 2015. 2016, me and, my, me and my ex-wife, we separated. My daughter has moved to a different state. Anybody knows me and knows me my daughter, we're like this. Daddy's little girl. That's my BFF. So now she's removed from me. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now I'm juggling trying to deal with a separation, deal with a divorce. Wow. That goes to two years. Financially, it's like it's, my, my finances are depleting because I'm trying to basically finance a divorce. Mm-hmm. Okay? Then I, I'm in a relationship. I'm dating somebody. We have an abortion. Not by my choice. I don't falter for the decision that she decided to make. Okay? That relation doesn't work out. I'm basically all over the place. Right? Now I'm dating somebody else because I feel the sense like, you know what? I need God. Because during this time frame, I don't have God in my life. I believe in God. I trust in God. But I didn't have him in my life. There's a difference. Right? So now... I'm at a point like, you know what? There's too much that's going on. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of just living, but I'm not really living. Mm. I'm, I'm going through my day-to-day without God. So I'm dating now. New person. I feel like I'm, okay, a sense of belonging. I get, I get saved again. But now I'm still dealing with a divorce. I'm still dealing with the judgment of that. I'm dealing with somebody who I was in love with not accepting me because I'm a divorcee, right? So now, like, all these, it's, it's like one thing after another. Right. So I get to the point of like, yo, I can't deal with this. You so, want to commit suicide? No, no, I never wanted to commit suicide. I never got to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, praise God. But I know, like, I didn't want to, I, I could not literally sit still. Mm. I'm literally at work. Five minutes, I'm like, yo, I got to get up like a crackhead. I can't sit still. Fidgety. I've never been like this before. My peers know it's like, yo, something is wrong with Jeff. Wow. This is not the same Jeff. But the thing is, a lot of times when we're going through stuff, we either don't want to admit it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, wow. we want to live in this false reality. Like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. The imposter syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. But everybody else can see it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else can see it. And like, yo, Jay, you're not the same. Something's wrong. Yo, we're here for you. I've always had a community. I did not have to go through this alone. Most importantly, I had always had God. God was always there waiting for me. Mm. I just had to surrender to him. So finally, I got to the point, I was like, yo, I can't do this no more because this is not healthy. I'm losing weight. I'm at the gym. Anybody knows I love the gym. I can't even concentrate at the gym. Mm. 
my whole psyche is just off because I'm dealing with my daughter's in another state. I'm dealing with not being accepted by a church because I'm a divorcee. I'm dealing with somebody who I'm in love with doesn't want to deal with me because the church that we go to does not accept a divorcee. I'm dealing with an ex-wife who's constantly on my back. And you're still doing life by yourself. And I'm still doing life by myself. Wow. Trying to make sure that I provide for myself, provide for my daughter, trying to play a role as a dad, as a brother, as a, you know what I'm saying, as, as a son, as a Christian, all these multiple hats and trying to balance a career. Mm. Still trying to be a black man in America. And trying to be a black man in America. Man. So I said, you know what? I need therapy because there's no way I can go through this. Right. I told God, I said, God, I'm surrendering all to you. Right. I can't deal with this no more. Uh -huh. I need you to take over. But God reminded me, he's like, I've always been here. I've always been here. I've just been waiting on you. And I went through therapy. I was there. And it was the most amazing thing. It made me realize that what I was going through with all those challenges, because I didn't realize at the time that, again, remember I said, I lost my best friend. You got a divorce. You got your daughter moved to a different state. All these things, like, I didn't realize that it had, how much it impacted my life. So someone would say you was in a state of trauma. State of trauma. Mm. Talk about it. You know it. what I'm saying? I was in a state of trauma, but I ignored it. I figured like, yo, I'm just going to just live it up, do my thing. You know, it's all good. You know, I I'm, I'm trying to find ways to cope with the pain, but not realizing that there is a lot of pain that's within me. You know what I'm saying? I was not the best representation of myself. So I couldn't be the re best representation of somebody else. Right. It's not saying that I was like, you know, an a-hole or anything like that, but I became very lenient on people that was like, yo, but I need you to stand on your own too. Like I said, I was not Jeffrey Chris Zamore. I became something else. I wanted acceptance from a group that didn't want acceptance. That didn't want to accept me. Mm. But the reality is like, I can't look at man, I gotta look at God. Because right. God always accepted me, even with all my flaws. Yeah. And that got pinpointed when I was in therapy. Gave me that reminder. Now, was this a Christian therapist? Yes. Yes. There are, you put in the back, there are Christian therapists out there. Yes, absolutely. And I think, and wow. And I thank you for getting to this point and sharing and being vulnerable. Yeah. And I think, and I know that's why we want the podcast to be right. in regards to just being us, giving you everything that we know. And I, I think I wanted to share my story as well. In regards to when I knew I needed therapy, it was, I could feel like it was yesterday. It was a year ago. Um, Janelle and I just got married. Um, I'm now a husband. Um, I'm doing life now. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife. And she was coming from work. I was in the car. Um, I was listening to some worship music. I turned to... And we was, we was having an amazing week. I turned to her. Well, she was coming into the car before she got into the car. Mm. I turned and I looked at my future and I cried. I bawled. Right. Because I said, oh, shit. I'm leading somebody, but I don't know how to lead myself. Mm. I don't have a vision for my home. I'm doing life because I love her and that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But I realized she's about to come into the car, but she don't know that I'm dying. Mm -hmm. But I still put on a smile that fake. Mm -hmm. I still put on a smile that day. Mm -hmm. Took her home. We had a great conversation. Mm -hmm. But I'm still doing life. Mm -hmm. But in my head, something came up. Emotional response came up. Right. And I said that that day, and I didn't tell her that conversation until three to four or five months from that same day because I was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like a man because they've been telling me 
they have been programmed me to say in regards to emotion. Why are you bringing that to the table? It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing my wife said, and that's why God said, pick the right person. She said, facts. I'm here for you. I love it. Mm-hmm. I am here for you. Love it. So we love she didn't it. say, oh, why are you thinking like that? Why you didn't come to me before? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All she said, right. let's start. I love it. I love it. I'm here for you. More. I, and because I was scared. I was scared. The same thing you said. I was scared because I didn't want someone that she married to not, one, didn't have a vision for his family. Mm-hmm. But then two, right. not my assumption, uh-huh. my imposter, the person in the back is telling me, uh-huh. oh, your wife is going to think this way. Your wife is going to think that way. Uh. But... She never told me she didn't think that way. That was an assumption. That's an assumption I made in my head mm. for five months, not yeah. five days, not five hours, oh. not 168 hours in a week, five months. Mm. I hold that mm. because I said to myself, I want to be a man in her eyes, but I felt like a boy. Listen, our, our mind could be our best friend. But mm-hmm. our mind could also be our worst enemy. Talk about it. And that's, that's the thing, man. It all becomes so mental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the moment you realize, this is why we're talking about mental health. Right. The moment you realize, like, okay, my mental state of mind is out of whack. Mm. But there's, it, it needs some adjusting. I mean, life could be good. Right. And you could still go to therapy. Like, listen, LeBron James, you know, arguably one of the best players to ever played a game. He still has a coach. Can you say that one more time, please? MJ. <laughs> yes. Six say, rings. Say that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Six six of the rings? Six is, rings. Is that last six time I checked? Six of the things. Sometimes you got to laugh when we in pain. Sometimes we got to laugh. Seven. Yeah. Anyways, There's a different. documentary about him right now. Yeah, you know, Netflix. I mean, listen. But that's a whole different conversation. Yes. <laughs> but the thing is, is, is LeBron James, one of, the, one of the greatest to ever play the game. He still has a coach. So... No matter how dominant LeBron James is, he still has a coach to make sure that when he performs, he's performing at the highest level. Mm-hmm. So even when you're going through life, like your career is good, your marriage is good, life is good, it still doesn't hurt to like, ah, right, you know what? Let me go ahead and still seek a therapist. And remember, God is your greatest therapist as it is. So you could still need some type of adjustment in your life. Mm-hmm. I get that. And I want to ask this question that I've been thinking about. When someone thinks highly of you, mm-hmm. you wonder how long it would take them to feel disappointed in you. Do you agree or disagree? I, I believe um, I would say I, I agree with that just because for I- For you? Yeah, for me. I'm speaking strictly for me because I always assume the worst. Okay, really? I always assume the worst. Always. Just because it grew up. Even in our friendship right now? Uh, yeah. With everything. With everything. With my wife. I always assume the worst just because I grew up like that. It's a mind state of broken promises. Okay. Like dad saying like, hey, I'm going to come get you this weekend. Uh, this weekend, nobody shows up. You know what I'm saying? Of my mom saying, hey, we're going to go out to eat and we're going to do this, that, and the third. Never doing, ne- never doing anything. Of me being contracted and promised by certain directors pay okay. uh, to do productions and never getting it. Okay. You know, so I always assume like even the good stuff, it could be, oh, uh, yeah, uh, my wife saying uh, she's going to marry me. You know what I'm saying? The day, I mean, the week leading up to my proposal, I was assuming everything, everything everything the worst you know and it was just such a hard week but i thank god for my little sister you know who's a ordained minister who helped me through that process and just god trusting in god um and and i did self-talk i was talking myself through it and and really affirmations yeah affirmations i talked to you anthony uh i talked to 
a couple of different people in my family. And it really helped me a whole lot. So in that process, you allowed yourself, because we want to talk about solutions. Absolutely. Um, you allowed yourself to be vulnerable. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you really think about it, I wanted to talk about, too, like the things that we go through as black black folks. You know, the cold. Black and brown man. Yep. The code switching, the systematic racism, the uh, molestation, microaggressions, the church hurt, PTSD from the hood growing up in the projects, uh, uh, rape and um, going through the military and getting PTSD from that. You know, we have a whole spectrum of people unaccounted for. You know, there's people that have we know that um, I was as I was doing my research. um, that black people, there's a lot of black teens that are more, are more likely to attempt suicide than white teens, mm-hmm. you know? And, it, and it's just so sad. Is I, I think it has a lot to do with our environment. Talk about it. How we're raised, what we grow up, what we see. We think that there's no other solution than that. No way out. Because, like, for example, if I say, yo, I'm going to my therapist on Saturday morning mm-hmm. at 8.30. Right. The first thing... A, a, a person of color would say, yo, you, some, you all right, bro? Yeah. You crazy? Exactly. And we I'm turn like, a positive into a negative. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm just going because the same way you go get your haircut mm-hmm. is the same way I want to get my mental right. Right. Self-care. Oh, oh all right. here's my Self-care. favorite. Here's my favorite. I ain't going to the doctor. And what am I going to go to the doctor for? So they can make mm-hmm. me worse than mm-hmm. what I am right now? I'm going to go get a checkup and they're going to give me another thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so true. So when, because we've been having a really good conversation right now, mm-hmm. and I want to go back to the questions we've been asking ourselves. When, when is the right time? When is the right time? I I think the right time is when you feel out of touch with reality. For me, because I Jeff made an amazing point earlier. He definitely did. Um, and I. For me, I would say it's when you're out of touch with reality, when you're not seeing things uh, on a straight and narrow, when you find yourself just drifting, you know, and you're having these thoughts where you're having high highs and low lows, like, you know, that's bipolar disorder by definition. You know, when you feel yourself emotionally going up, 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 up to the highest level and going down, down, down to the lowest level, like. Like, for instance, if your I'll give you an example. Like, if Anthony says to me, hey, hey, we're going to hang out Friday. I'm like, yeah, let's hang out Friday. And then he's like, yeah, Friday. Uh, Thursday night, you call me and you cancel. And then I take that and I internalize it and I go down because I think now that you don't want anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. And it's just a canceling of plans. Can I be honest? Mm-hmm. Can I be real? Yeah. I say that with our friendship. Mm. Being like, not that it has a deadline mm-hmm. or a seasonal. Mm. Um, I would like to have uh, forever brothers. But I always tell Jalel's like, hey, you know, if they're my friends today, I'm going to enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. If they're not my friends tomorrow, mm-hmm. okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I've already made an assumption that the brothers that love me mm-hmm. show me everything that they have to show me. Mm-hmm. But the, the boy inside of mm-hmm. rejection has to protect myself. So I go into a survival mode. Mm-hmm. Now the survival mode becomes normalized. Mm-hmm. And now if you ask me, how do you help me now? Right. Because I've normalized a behavior right. that's, that for me it works. Right. So you're telling me to go to therapy and I'm going to therapy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's so ingrained in my daily walk that becomes normalized. Yeah. So when do you know the behavior is not working for you anymore? Because that behavior can't bring you to the next season of your life. I think another thing is people like the people that you run with. People walk with your tribe, your tribe, tribe. your board members, your community. And I say board members, yeah. the people in the back is yeah. your, your community, your friends. Yes. Who, who do you go to on a regular basis? Yeah. Like, even if it's 
the most stupidest thing or mm-hmm. um, just Little. breaking bread with each other. Little. Um, but making sure that you are having conversation. Right. Um, one of my mentors always say, you do not do life by yourself. Absolutely. You can't. Um, isolation. We are, we're not meant to be by ourselves. Yeah. You have That's biblical. a community. That's biblical. You have a, t- a, a whole tribe. Yeah. Even Jesus had 12 people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 12. He had a whole crew. He had a you know? squad. Yeah, even squad though one was out there, you know. I mean, one was out there wilding. There's always going to be one. But yeah. you look at, you know, to, to bring to your point, I think the key thing, what I've learned is growing up, like I've, I've been very fortunate and blessed that I have the same community when, from the time I was growing up up until this point. I wish I and, had that. And, and, mm. and obviously I have new added members into yeah. my yeah. community. Right. That, I, that I know they will be there for the long run. Yeah. Right. The thing, what I've always, what I've looked at is consistency and patterns. Mm. Talk, wow. Consistency Talk. and patterns will build, to me, Talk to me nice. what help you dictate what the future is going to be with okay. that person. Absolutely. If you see they're kind of shaky, they're kind of like, they're dancing around with the friendship, or you see that they're always having different fallouts with different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most likely, you may be the next victim. Facts. You know what I'm saying? So what I've also learned is I don't put expectation on man. I put expectation on God. Yeah. Because people are always going to disappoint you. That's just the reality. Because we all have different expectations. We all have different things that we expect to right. receive, whether if it's from our friendship, whether if it's from our marriage, whether if it's from our coworkers, people in general. Right. People are going to disappoint you. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But I look at patterns to know that, okay, you know what? Mm-hmm. There's consistency here. There's the, Most likely, That's we're going to have a long-term friendship. Ooh. Some people are seasonal. Talk. Some people are just seasonal. Spring, Some people is for the and long it's all And it's okay. It's yeah. okay. It's but you have okay, to, pro- at the end of the day, though, you have to protect right. your mental state of mind. You have to yes. protect your mental health yes and one of the solutions so we we said two solutions so we said vulnerable and we also said patterns Patterns, yes Yes. understand the person's pattern right yes and that gut instinct right because if you feel like "Mm, this person is like a little fishy yeah i'm not really vibing with the person but then what happens yeah or how do you tell your brother because you said i am i am my brother's keeper yeah. Mm. When do you tell your brother, yo, what's going on, man? Yeah. Bro, you good? Yeah. I like, think, when do we have that conversation? I think it's at the moment where you know everything is all over the place. It's a hard conversation to have, too. Like, you don't just, like, you know, go get wings and be like, hey, yeah, something's wrong with you. You know? Like, no, you, you the word says that if you have a dispute with your brother, then you should go to him, right? So, oh. if we... And it also says in Genesis that I wanted to bring, it's not good for man to be alone. So we operate better in community, right? Facts. So or, we, we should have been doing it like that from, from Jump Street. We should, if you can't have an open and honest conversation with your, your friend and just openly correct them in love, something's wrong with the friendship. I, I, Something's I messed that, up, yo, bro. I said all the time, yourself. bro. I said if two things. If I'm in a relationship mm-hmm. and I can't say how I feel about the relationship, uh-huh. thank you. It's been a good, um, have a great day. Right. Let me just get my stuff. Right. Um, because at this moment, we can't have um, honest dialogues. That's with real. The, with brotherhood and friendship, real. if I can't say to you, yo, bro, because what? Because before, I used to be afraid of those stuff because I'm like, because of rejection. Mm-hmm. But now I'm at a certain age. You stepped into my environment. Right. Mm-hmm. You made a choice to step into my environment. Yeah. So at this moment, you're going to get my character. Yes. And my character is saying, hey, yeah. I'm going to be vulnerable with my brother. Okay. I'm going to be honest with my brother. So Damn. if I'm feeling the way, I'm going to come to you. But I always thought to myself right. that if I come to you, that person is always going to leave. Because if not, Anthony, you'll become part of the problem. Yep. You'll become part of the problem. You'll be a yes man or just another person. Wow. A wall there's a lot of those. A, a, and there's too Ooh, many of those. A those, real man. friend is going to be in your corner. It's going to be there for you. You know what I'm saying? A real... And I don't know if you know this. 
I was reading the word actually, and, and the word tells us like, yo, we might need help. Yo, by the we, way, Fred been reading his Bible this week. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you. I got some quotes. I got some quotes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Proverbs 23-7. For a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. Psalms 42-5. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Right? Which is like David... Screaming out to God, like, I'm going through it, you know? Last but not least, we have Ecclesiastes 3, chapter 3, verse 4 through 5. Okay, that's a there, friend. There's a time that's to cry. Friend. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and a time to dance. I, I put those scriptures out there, though, just to let everybody know that, you know, for those people that are Christian, therapy, going to therapy is not a bad thing. Wow. So don't look at it as that. It's, I mean, a lot of... Older Christians have the they put the stigma on therapy. Older and younger. Older and younger. Let mm -hmm. me say that because some of us are raised in that culture. If you're Caribbean, Southern, what whatever what have you, they think that there's that stigma. Like, hey, no, if you go to therapy, there's something beyond wrong with you. But it's the total opposite. You're going to therapy because you know you need help. You know, we not we don't want to continue to suppress everything that we wow. get. You know, we don't want to continue to put band-aids over bullet wounds. Correct. Let's it, not do that. The black community does that too much. Yo, can you just say that one more time? I said for the people in the back. <laughs> all my people say. Like, uh, in the yeah. back. We don't want to continue to put band-aids over bullet wounds. Yeah. Wow. We are hurting as a community, like completely and wow. honestly. It's time, to do, it's time to do some surgery. Yeah. yeah. Some real... Surgery. Absolutely. No, I also and add, also, should... Because you know I like to do this part. Oh, here we go. Should a church be responsible for your mental health? Hmm. And that is the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, no, once again, we're going to bring some really good <laughs> conversation. We're going to be bringing some, some thought-provoking. And all we're trying to do is bring our truth opinion and of course our perspective so once again tune in to part two thank you so if anybody that's struggling with mental health don't go through it alone if you go to mentalhealth.gov once again mentalhealth.gov there's a lot of useful information that would help you get to the right person to deal with any type of mental health that you are dealing with or that you are struggling with. Also, as well, if you're having suicidal thoughts, please call 1-800-273-8255. Once again, 1-800-273-8255. You do not have to deal with mental health alone.